What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Hope you ground your way through the weekend, just like I did. Very exciting. Went to, went and got lunch with my son on Sunday. He's in Dallas chatting up uh, Dak Prescott at his football camp. We'll have some more stuff on that later um, for, uh, for a piece for CBSSports.com. That was fun. Dallas is always fun. It was very cold there, as Dallas always is. Week one picks. Sounds insane, but we're going to talk about some week one picks because I got a story up on CBSSports.com right now with my best bets for week one, five best bets. There's also the James Winston thing that is currently unfolding, expected to be suspended three games. We talked about that uh, ahead of the Sheck podcast on Friday. And then Odell Beckham could potentially hold out. Those are sort of the items of the news. So we're going to dive into that and more with my pal, your pal, John Breach. What's up, John? You know what, Brenton? We're here in near the end of June, and that is the dead season of the NFL. And you think, hey, you know what? There's not going to be any news for the next week or two. And then, bam, they just throw this Jameis Winston thing in our face. And now, you know, that's going to be news until the NFL comes out and gives us the official word on how long that suspension is going to be. Yeah. I mean, John, this is – it's pretty – I mean, I was thinking about this over the weekend, and it's not unprecedented for a star quarterback to get suspended, but the last time we actually saw someone get suspended because of the personal conduct policy – and we're talking about like a, a premier top, 20, top 15 to 20 quarterback in the league, franchise quarterback – First round pick, his team is probably going to lock him down to a long term contract. It was Ben Roethlisberger way back in the day? I mean, th- this is this is borderline unprecedented territory for what the Bucks are dealing with because unlike Ben Roethlisberger, Jameis Winston is still on his rookie contract. He's going into the final year of his original rookie contract. The Bucks have obviously picked up his fifth year option. It's guaranteed for injury only. About twenty, I think twenty point nine million in two thousand and nineteen. He's only due like three point eight million next year. But, I mean, this is – if you're Jameis Winston, right now is the time when you would be negotiating a new contract, and instead you're trying to explain to your employers why you're going to miss the first three games, maybe more, according to a report from the Tampa Bay Times. Or the, yeah, I think it's the Tampa Bay Times. And Rick Stroud said that if Jameis didn't meet certain obligations, he could end up being suspended longer. I mean, this is a total – this flips everything we know about Jameis Winston, everything we thought could happen with Jameis Winston on its head, because now his short-term and long-term future are uncertain. Yeah, and the one thing I think a lot of people forget about with uh, Ben Roethlisberger's situation is that the Steelers were so fed up because that was the second accusation. The suspension came out that they were willing to trade him. There were trade talks getting rid of Ben Roethlisberger, which is unthinkable now. Here we are nine years later, but they were literally at wit's end and were looking to dump their franchise quarterback for uh, a similar sexual-type allegation. Uh, so Jameis Winston, if you're the Buccaneers, you start rethinking everything. Is this you're going to be committing, you know, 130 million dollars to this guy once he signs his new contract, at least if not more, and that's a lot of money to commit to someone if you can't trust him or if they're just he's going to give you a black eye in public relations uh, over the next five years. So if I'm the Buccaneers, I, I don't even know what I do. This is such a con- tough situation to be in, and. Uh, Man, it is, it's, it's a lot of money to give to someone if you don't know if you can trust them. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think the, the first thing that comes to mind when you talk about Jameis Winston is short-term. And again, like as I mentioned off the top of the podcast, we talk, I, I talked about this very briefly because I recorded the Thursday show, which airs Friday, around like 3 o'clock, and then the news broke. I added something onto it you know, just to, to break that down. But I mean, by and large, 
like this has unfolded over the course of Friday and then the weekend, all that we know about it. The first thing is that it, it, okay, a couple of things on it. One, it reminds me a, a little bit of the Ezekiel Elliott case in that this investigation was just sort of lurking and no one was really talking about it. It's like, well, you know, like somebody checked in on it. It's like, well, yeah, that, that investigation is still ongoing. It's going on. It's going on. The, the NFL is being quiet about it. And then, bam, this big suspension drops out of nowhere. And that's sort of what happened with Zeke. It's, it's, what ha- it's what's happening with Jameis Winston. So this story that was not news at all for a year. I mean, this, is, this happened in 2016. So a year plus, not news at all, suddenly becomes the premier NFL news in June during a dead period. The one time when teams don't want to deal with it. They're, they're waiting for training camp to show up. The, the second thing that stands out to me is that I don't know that it necessarily hurts the Buccaneers. And I'd be curious what you think about this. The Buccaneers playoff hopes, and I wrote about it because they might have gone 0-3 anyway. They had the Saints on the road, the Eagles, and then the Steelers at home. They weren't going to be 3-0 and after the first three weeks if Jameis Winston plays. Yeah, the first part with the story kind of coming out of nowhere after this investigation going on for so many months kind of blows my mind, especially what's come out in, say, the past 72 hours, starting with the ESPN thing on Friday, that if you're Jameis Winston, why are you hanging out with an accused rapist? Yeah. Uh, Brandon Banks is now in jail for rape, but he was accused at the time because he had not been convicted that's the third guy in the car, and I don't care what the situation is. You're a starting quarterback. You've got to be aware of your surroundings and who you're hanging out with and, and what that looks like. Uh, and then for Banks to be like the smoking gun here and saying, yeah, Jameis Winston was in a car alone with this Uber driver, uh, that looks even worse because that looks like Jameis Winston and Ronald Darby are both lying or, or giving misleading statements. Uh, and that definitely looks even worse. It almost feels like the NFL kind of leaked out the three games to see what public reaction would be. And, and you keep getting more details like the ones Brandon Banks is giving. Maybe the NFL says, well, maybe, you know, the public's calling for more and maybe we do need to do more because uh, NFL didn't talk to Brandon Banks. So who knows? Maybe this thing gets jacked back up to like four games, five games, six games. is supposed to be the baseline for uh, a sexual assault allegation. Yeah, no, I'm curious. Like I, I was talking about this on the on CBS Sports Radio on um, on Saturday, and I mentioned the same thing. I was like, this could go to six games, you know, in theory because of the domestic violence, you know, slash personal conduct policy stuff. I mean, I think it falls under that umbrella, right? It's not. It's not like a, in the sense of the Ezekiel Elliott situation. It's not someone allegedly hitting or throwing around their girlfriend or spouse or significant other. But that's irrelevant. I mean. If you are, if you are, and this is what Jameis allegedly grabbed an Uber driver's crotch. If you grab, I think it's, it, was, it was a female, obviously, right? Like if you grab a female's crotch, that is, and she doesn't want you to do it, and she presses charges. I mean, that's that's sexual assault. I mean, that it would clearly fall under the domestic violence, uh, like suspension, like like under the, under the purview of the domestic violence policy. And that could mean Jameis Winston gets six games. It almost feel like, it feels like the three games is a result of, they don't have any information about exactly what happened. It's a, he said, he said type of thing. Jameis didn't self-report. The Buccaneers didn't self-report. And as a result, he's getting hammered here when there's not necessarily a ton of information. Like I, I'm with you. It could, this could get worse for the Buccaneers before it gets better. Yeah, and every reporter who's been pushing out the suspension has been very careful to say, hey, this could be three games, but that number could easily change. So, you know, who knows which way that goes. And, and it's, let's say it stays at three games, as you were just talking about, the start their season. Like, maybe the Patriots and the Packers are the only two teams in the NFL, Vikings maybe, who could 
open up with the Buccaneers' first three games and go three and zero or two and one. I mean, I this is the Packers like, wouldn't. The Packers, the Packers stink without Aaron Rodgers. Barely you saw last year. I mean, you're right. Like the Patriots went three and one without Tom Brady uh, two years ago. Oh, I was talking to threat full health. Forget, oh, forget right, 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 right. Being suspended, like this is a gauntlet. This oh, is right. I don't know yeah. what team at full health, but having every player no suspensions could make it through what the Buccaneers have to deal with the first three weeks. Yeah. It's, I mean, like the Steelers and Eagles at home in weeks two and three, or three and two, excuse me, respectively, is not easy, even if you have everyone there. I'm curious. I, I posited this, and I, I actually think it could be accurate, but is, is there any chance that this is good for Dirk Cutter's immediate job security in that if the Buccaneers went 0-4 and, and they play at New Orleans, Philly at home, uh, Pittsburgh at home, at Chicago, if they were 0-4 going into the week five bye and had James Winston playing, he might get fired. But now he at least has a built-in excuse, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you ever want to be 0-4 going into the week five bye, especially in this kind of pressurized season with him. And especially, well, I mean, wasn't there talk that he was going to be fired to the Buccaneers? Because yeah. they, were, they were trying to hire Gruden. So he's on thin ice as it is. And if that front office, if that ownership group is looking for any reason to fire him, I think maybe they could be like, well, hey, look, man, you're in charge of Jameis. Even though Jameis's events happened in 2016, like they could pin whatever blame they want to on him, whether Jameis is playing or not. Yeah. I mean, it's look. It, the bottom line is this story is not is it, it's blame it on Jameis. That's the that's the that's the motto for the 2018 Buccaneers. Blame it on Jameis. And you're right. It's going to be hard. To, it's going to be hard to negotiate a contract. You can't negotiate a contract now. You really have to wait till next offseason, see how Jameis plays, see how many, how many games he plays, all of that. I mean, it's, it's really complicated. I still think he'd get $20 million a year, if you're, even if you're doing a contract with him, but you would have to build in major contingencies into that contract. And incentive, like, you know, like if, if you violate this personal conduct policy, you're gone. If you, if you do this, you're, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, over the last 12 months, Jameis Winston has played poorly, which he did for the first four or five games of 2017. He has suffered an injury to his throwing shoulder and he has been suspended or is going to be suspended by the NFL for the personal conduct policy. If you were trying to pick, if you were handpicking three red flags for a franchise quarterback that you're about to pay that you don't want to see, those would be your three red flags, right? Oh, absolutely. And that, that, this is why I want to get this question to you. Middle of the offseason, Monday, June 25th podcast. Right now, would you sign, if you're the Buccaneers, would you sign Jameis Winston to a contract extension? After his rookie deal is up, it would you had to make that decision today. It would depend on the today. No, because I think that if you're the Buccaneers and you're talking to him about an extension and they're like, okay, here's what we'll offer. I think you say, well, here's the problem. You might be suspended six games. And John, if he gets suspended for the domestic violence stuff and he gets six games in his next game, in his next suspension, if it's for a domestic violence thing, a, a, ban- a banishment, like he could be banished from the NFL and you could owe him a hundred million dollars. And this is a guy who has been busted. I, I don't, I think he pled down to it, but I mean, like we all saw him stealing crab legs from a Publix in college. And he has allegedly a sexually assaulted um, someone in, in college as well. So there's precedent here. You have to be, and I, I wonder how much all that plays into the NFL's decision, but you have to be very concerned if you're, if you're the, if you're the Buccaneers about signing to a deal. Now, if they said, if, if you called, if you could call Jameis's peeps 
don't know why I said peeps. If you could call Jameis's camp and say, hey, look, we'll do a six-year deal, $120 million, $20 million guaranteed, um, and, it, and it basically becomes a year-by-year contract for the final four years of the deal just so Jameis can get something in his pocket because he's worried about it, I would sign that if I was the Buccaneers. Does that make sense? Yeah, you call up James and say, look, man, we got all the leverage and, yeah. you know, Andy Dalton's contract, that's what we're giving you. Yeah, here's a poor man Andy Dalton contract. Take it or leave it. And otherwise, bet on yourself, but you're, you might only play 10 games next year. Good luck. Good luck in the market. Uh, speaking of other guys who are looking for contracts, Odell Beckham. Interesting note, you wrote about this on Sunday. So Odell Beckham, I think, and I've talked about this with Sean Wagner and McGuff on this very podcast. I think Odell is doing a really smart thing by going to going to OTAs, by being there, by being a nice guy, by playing into what the Giants want him to do, you know, even if he's, you know, grin it and bearing it, you know, just just fake fake make you know, fake it and make it or whatever it is. Like he's clearly doesn't want to be there without being paid, but the fact that he's going through the motions and making it look like he's happy to be a teammate, I think will make it easier for them to pay him. However, uh, Ralph uh, Vacaccio of SNY.com now reporting that Odell might, in fact, still hold out, right? Yeah. I mean, look, here's the thing. Your Odell Beckham, he has publicly said last summer, I want to be the highest paid player in the NFL. Now, he's not going to be the highest paid player in the NFL. But then sometime this year, he wants $20 million. So he's been throwing out numbers, you know, like Le'Veon Bell does with his rap songs. Odell has been <laughs> – you get him in the right spot. He'll throw out a number he wants, and that's what he wants. So if he told his camp, hey, guys. I want $20 million a year. The Giants are just going to laugh at that. You know, if I'm the Giants, I'm just like, dude, you're not getting $20 million. You're going to be lucky to get $15 million a year. And the thing is, you look at a situation, say Kirk Cousins uh, in the franchise tag situation that he had to deal with. He played that brilliantly. Odell Beckham is in the exact opposite situation. He has zero leverage because here's what's going to happen. I think what is the franchise tag this year? Or what's his fifth year option? Eight and a half, eight and a half million, I think. Uh, for Odell. Yeah. 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 It's not, it's not a lot. Cause he was picked like 14th overall and he's a wide receiver. Yeah. It's not crazy. Right. Right. So it is, it will say it's eight and a half million. So if he gets franchise tag next year, that's going to be about 15 million. I think the franchise tag for wide receiver is 13.9 this year. So we'll say that goes up a million. So now you have them at eight and a half and 15 million. And then the third year franchise tag goes up 20% more. That's $18 million. So now you have him under contract using the franchise tag, three years, $41 million. Uh, that's a steal. The Giants, it's a that's steal. A, yeah, exactly. That's like, what, $13.5 million a year? I mean, that's an absolute steal. So if you're the Giants, you don't even need to offer him more than that because you have him for the next three seasons at that rate. So, you know, and Odell's coming off an injury. The Giants ownership thinks he's, uh, you know, immature. He's he's being like a dog after touchdowns and uh, (laughs) getting in videos with eating pizza with people who may or may may not be doing things that are illegal. Uh, So that this is, I think this is going to be a drama that's going to go on all of training camp. I don't think he'll be there. Wow. That that would be, that would look, that would be surprising. I think because I mean, People are obviously expecting him to show up at this point, but I mean, maybe he, maybe they decide not to pay him. I think what's going to happen is he's going to play the good soldier. They're going to find some sort of middle ground. He's going to end up getting paid, and everything will work itself out. But, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm optimistic. I also think that the Giants have to have him in camp 
ready to go week one, healthy, happy, ready to be Eli Manning's number one receiver if they want to win this year. And I do believe that the Giants are built to win this year, adding Saquon Barkley. Um, all the moves they made this offseason indicate they want to win in 2018. So I would be surprised if they didn't go ahead and bite the bullet and pay Odell Beckham. But but if he wants if he wants what if he's refusing to take less than what he's worth, then he's not or what he thinks he's worth, then he's not going to end up signing a deal. But like you pointed out, when they can say, "Hey, buddy, three years, forty-one million. How about we give you, I don't know, five years, uh, like seventy million. All right, that's our deal. That's what we're going to offer you. It's a very good deal off what you would make going year to year. Then it becomes a game of chicken for Odell, and I don't think he wins it because of the way that the CBA works. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing with Odell is we don't even know if he's healthy. He hasn't gone full mm. speed. He's coming off that ankle injury. And if you're the Giants, you don't want to be giving $75 million to some guy if he's if he's only 90% of the player. Ankle injuries are rough. You know, I think he'll return. He'll be fine when he gets back. But we haven't seen him go full speed. He said in March he doesn't even want to play in a preseason game. So who knows when we're even going to see him go full speed. So if I'm the Giants, I'm a little timid uh, just because I don't know what his health situation is. I'm with you completely. All right, let's talk about some week one NFL picks. We know that the week one of the NFL is happening tomorrow. Very important that we get these picks. And I'm just kidding. It's not. It's, I don't know if people know that. Uh, week one is not until September. But it's the offseason. We're trying to make some picks, lock in some best bets. And you can bet on these games. Um, and Dave Damashek, this is interesting, John. Actually, I'm curious your thoughts on this. because So Sheck pointed out on Friday's podcast that he thinks scoring is going to go up three to four points per game next year because of the kickoff rule, which instead of people being able to run from, like, from the point of the ball, like the, the, line, the line of scrimmage, as it were, the line where they're kicking it, they have to they have to start at a standstill. He thinks he thinks teams are going to end up with the ball in like the thirty five or forty yard line to start drives, and it's going to result in a bump up in scoring. Um, curious what you think about that because if you look at these over unders, there's only one over under. It's the uh, oddly the Patriots and Texans matchup in New England, um, a one o'clock game. I, I'm assuming that's on CBS. That's fifty one. All the under all the other games are under fifty. Probably because week one games usually start slow, but there might be some decent value there if you can take the over in these games if if there is a bump in scoring. You think there'll be a bump in scoring from those kickoffs? I think what's going to happen is that any team who has a kicker that can kick the ball to the end zone is going to kick the ball out of the end zone. That that kind of flip. You had guys like Bilicic. He loved to pop the ball up, have it caught at the one-yard line so you didn't get any return options. You know, it, Goskowski would kick a floater, the return team would be down there, and it'd be impossible to get a good return. But now it's more like a punt, and if your guys on the kickoff team are starting at a standstill, you don't know what's going to happen. So I think the smart coaches will kick it out of the end zone the first couple weeks until they have some data on what is going to happen. Uh, but I do like Damashek's theory in the sense that the teams that do kick it off, there's going to be returns. Like, And returns could get – we could see more kickoff returns for touchdowns ever since they moved – the kickoff up from, I think, the 35 or the 30 to the 35. Yeah. Right. We've seen a lot more touchbacks. There just haven't been as many kickoff return for touchdowns. And I, I think that is something they could return. That alone could, uh, you know, add to the scoring besides the field position starting. So I don't think it's a bad theory. Right. I like it too. And, you know, we, again, week one can be a little sloppy, but uh, let's pick, let's make some week one picks. We'll alternate here. So that way, if, you know, for some reason we're on the same like page, you can dive in and, and pick that team next. Uh, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? 
Uh, you know what? Ladies first, Brenton. All right, cool. Just you, kidding. You go <laughs> ahead. You go. Ahead. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you go. I'll go. I'll go. Since it's it's my it's my show, and um, I and I again these picks are up on the up on the site. These five picks that I'm about to give you, I've already written about. I'm sure. There's in no way will I be writing about these three picks after we've had this podcast conversation. The first one, and this is an easy one for me. I like this one. Months ago, I was I, I thought it would actually move substantially. It hasn't. Give me the Minnesota Vikings minus five at home against the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are the hot team this offseason. Jimmy Garoppolo is getting all the love. People are fawning over Kyle Shanahan and, and the job that John Lynch has done building together a team. I like what they've done. They added Mike McGlinchey in the draft. They had, had Richard Sherman in the offseason. I think they've gotten substantially better. They might have a pretty good defense. They might have a pretty good offense. Jarrett McKinnon's in there. They you have Marquise Goodwin. But this is not a loaded offense. And there's a chance that Jimmy Garoppolo does, comes into the year and isn't firing on all cylinders the way he was in the, in the final five games last, last year. I think there's a 0% chance that the Vikings won't be great out of the gate on defense. We saw how good they looked last year in week one, throttled the Saints, who are eventually a very good team at home. This is in Minnesota where they, they play, a, they, they're very tough. They play an, they always have an excellent home field advantage. We were there for the Super Bowl. It's a fantastic stadium. I think with Kirk Cousins added, that offensive line is going to be playing fairly well because it's healthy. Dalvin Cook is back. You're going to have a team that's motivated going into a season where they believe they're Super Bowl contenders. And I think the Minnesota Vikings are going to beat the San Francisco 49ers by 10 points or more. Yeah, I love that pick. It wasn't on my list. It was on my maybe list. Uh, everything you just said, the Vikings defense, you, you have home opener in Minnesota where and Jimmy Garoppolo put up some big points in the 49ers offense on the Jaguars. I think that was the best defense they faced toward the end of the season last year. Uh, but going up against the Vikings is just a completely different animal. And not only are you saying that are they going to win by 10 or more points, I'll be surprised if the 49ers score 10 or more points. So this is just going to be a Kirk Cousins getting comfortable game because the defense is going to do everything. I love that. And I will take that to my first pick which is also being played in the dome. That's my segue right there. Uh, the Bengals versus the Colts. I love the Bengals. They are the underdog in this game. Um, and here's the thing. If how, I have a chance. How are they the underdog in this game? I, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I have no idea how they could possibly be an underdog when, A, you don't even know who the starting quarterback is going to be for the Colts. Uh, and I know I've said this all offseason. We finally saw Andrew Luck throw football, so I'm a little more convinced he'll be starting week one. But I don't even know if he's thrown a regulation size football. He's throwing that college and that high school football, uh, which are a little easier to grip. So you don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be. The Bengals have beat up their offensive line. The Colts' defense is still a little iffy. Uh, so Andy Dalton's actually going to have some protection. They're not gonna, the Bengals aren't going to be splitting Jeremy Hill and Joe Mixon back there anymore. They've got a feature back to be able to be more creative with Giovanni Bernard, which is something they just didn't do uh, under Ken Zampezi. They got rid of midseason last year or in September, not even midseason. They've got a completely new, uh, you know, Terrell Austin's their defensive coordinator yeah. now. So this is a revamped Bengals. They've got a different look. It's not the same boring Bengals that we've seen. And I think they've added more talent. So I think, uh, I think they're going to win by seven or more points and they're an underdog here. I like that. I also like that. And I'm not calling you out here because I mean, honestly, like the podcast runs every day. It would be really tough to, um, 
It'd be really tough to listen to uh, every single episode, and, but but I can tell by virtue of your discussion of the Bengals that you didn't listen to my episode with Paul Daner Jr. Because we called you, we called you, I called you, I jokingly called you a Bengals fanboy, and he he played along with it. And uh, but but you know what Diener did point out that and we and Diener's the best. He's awesome. Uh, but that Joe Mixon has a really good chance to be a monster this year. You agree or disagree? Oh, Mixon's going to be, you know, when you're drafting fantasy, you're in your fantasy draft with uh, a couple people, you know what teams they're fans of, you know what players they know. And so he's one of those guys that just sit on, take him in the third or fourth round because no one I play with will draft him that early. I love Mixon's potential for this year. And, I was, you know, he had to split Jeremy Hill carries last year. It didn't make any sense. I think Joe Mixon's going to blow up this year. I, I'm with you. And uh, I was, I'm trying to look and see. Just real quickly, I think the third round is just about right for where he was going in our um, in our mock drafts. We did two mock drafts last year, last week, and yeah, he went the late. So I mean, this is pretty crazy. Like he went in the in the late part of round three. So I had the uh, first overall pick, and I went with on the 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 last pick of the second round, the first pick of the third round. I went Mike Evans and T. Y. Hilton which I'd be happy with even with the James suspension. But then Joe Mixon went with the eighth overall pick in round three, and he went one pick ahead of Jarrett McKinnon, three picks ahead of Kenyon Drake, and four picks ahead of Alex Collins, six picks ahead of Ronald Jones. I mean, I'd rather have Joe Mixon than those guys by far. I mean, I even think I'd rather have Joe Mixon than Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I don't know about Devontae Freeman, but I mean, I, I just think that Joe Mixon has major upside. If the Bengals fix that offensive line, he could end up having a very big season. All right, my second pick. I will be doing the same thing you did, John, and I will be saying, why is this team that people think I root for openly such a small favorite? Or such a, why, why is this line the way it is for the team I like? Um, I, you know, I, I look, I live in North Carolina, follow the Panthers closely. I am not surprised that the Carolina Panthers are only two and a half point favorites against the Dallas Cowboys in Carolina because the Cowboys are a public team. It's the offseason. But I think when people start seeing what the offense looks like for Carolina, and I think it's going to look a little bit better than people think, um, with you know with North Turner having ruled, retooled stuff around Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey's there, they added C.J. Anderson, the offensive line can't be worse, Greg Olson, Devin Funches, they bring in D.J. Moore. The defense is going to be healthy, even without Thomas Davis. They'll have Shaq Thompson in there. I'm not sure that the Cowboys, even with a healthy defense, can keep up with the Panthers. I think the Panthers handled the Cowboys pretty pretty effectively at home. I like the Panthers to win by three points or more. I, I love that pick. I think Cam Newton. I think everything you just said, and I, I hate that we are sticking by the teams that we cheer for because I know we love <laughs> to say, hey, we don't even follow these teams. You know, We follow every team, but there's always that team you grew up watching, you followed most of your life. It, it, you got your pulse on them. You know most about them. Um, so I kind of love slash hate that you're taking the Panthers since I'm also taking the Bengals moving on to my next one, another one I love, and this is, you know, if gambling is legal in your state by the time week one rolls around, this is where you put your big bucks on this one. As long as the spread doesn't change, it should change between now and then. I love the Rams and the Monday night opener against the Raiders. I think right now. The Rams are favored by three. If you rewind the podcast and listen to everything Brinson said about the Vikings defense versus uh, the 49ers, 
That's what's going to happen here. The Rams defense is just going to destroy anything John Gruden could ever even. I mean, this is like Sean McVay versus John Gruden is the ultimate old school versus new school. And as someone who feels more of kindredship with uh, McVay and the new school, I think McVay's going to destroy him and he's not going to show any mercy. <laughs> and I think the Rams are going to win this game by Two or three touchdowns. Wow. All right. See, this is where the podcast, I'm glad we alternated because I'm going to take the Raiders plus three <laughs> on the second Monday Night Football game. And if it's only for it's for two reasons, John. It's, it's kind of stupid reasons. But one, I, I don't I don't disagree with you. I think that line could move substantially by the time the game starts. Like if, if the Raiders don't look great in the preseason and the Rams look good, this line could be five or six. That wouldn't be surprising at all. Uh, right now, they are the – Second biggest underdogs, home underdogs behind only the Browns, which is not an impressive thing to have happen if you're the Raiders. Um, do you remember a few years ago when the Rams played? Who did the Who did the Rams play? Somebody on the Monday night game, and Jeff Fisher beat them. God, it was uh, it was the was it the Chargers or was it maybe no? It was the Raiders. It was it? Didn't they beat the Raiders on Monday night? The the crappy Jeff Fisher Rams did. In 2015, on the second Monday night game, where they have like Mike and Mike, uh, they have like Mike and Mike announcing or something like that. At any point, at any rate, I think that what's going to happen here is the Rams are going to be severely hyped coming into this game, but it's going to be Gruden's first game back. The offense is going to show up well for the Raiders. They're going to out scheme them a little bit. The defense is going to play with enough energy and aggression to turn the ball over on the Rams, and the Raiders steal this game and then don't, and then maybe win like three more games the rest of the year. So this is a game that, that that takes what we thought was true coming in, flips it on its head in week one, and then spits it back out with what we knew was true because the Rams will be good and the Raiders will be bad, but I think the Raiders will win this game. But after the Rams win 47-14, to 14, you're going to say what – you're going to be like, Breach, give me all your knowledge. and then But that's also what Gruden's <laughs> going to say to McVay at the end of this game. So do you, know what, uh, do, you I, know what, do you know what I just realized, by the way? So – this podcast is going to be daily, right? Through the NFL right. season. Do you know what happens when there's two Monday night football games? You gotta, we we got to record the podcast after the second Monday night football game. 2 a.m. Eastern, man. That's when I'm up. That's, that's, that's I love right. it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're up, you're up writing picks. You are up at 2 a.m. Eastern. All right. What's your, uh, what's your next pick? All right. You know what? Let's go to, uh, you just mentioned them. Huge, huge, huge home underdog. Oh, yeah is the Steelers versus the Browns. Now, part of me wanted to take Cleveland, but I just feel like there's so much pressure facing. They're on a 17-game losing streak. I know that Hugh Jackson jumped in the lake and, and cleansed all the losing off, but I think uh, Steelers are just going to pour that dirt losing right back on them and win this game by 10 or more points. I just feel like there's too much pressure on this organization. Everyone's going to look for them to come out and win in week one at home against a rival, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Steelers win this by seven or more points, and I think that's spreads like six, six and a half right now. Uh, Browns plus six, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I think the Steelers win by seven or more. Heavy road chalk in week one. I like it. Um, I'm going to go back and do something stupid with my next pick. Not something, it's not something stupid. It's something that you would think I would learn my lesson. After uh, after picking this team to win the Super Bowl in 2017, but I'm not John. I don't learn lessons. I teach lessons, and I'm teaching people that the Arizona Cardinals in Week One 
are going to beat the Washington Redskins, who, by the way, I really like this year. I think the Redskins are an undervalued team and think they could sneak up and steal the NFC East um, because of how good their defense will be, because Alex Smith is not an upgrade, but a, a, you know, a nice little horizontal move from, from Kirk Cousins. I like the Redskins, but it's insane that the Cardinals are a pick here because Arizona is going to be healthy. Sam Bradford should be ready to go in week one. If not, he'll we'll have Josh Rosen or Mike Glennon. You know, I love both of those guys. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson will be healthy. I think the Arizona Cardinals hold serve in week one against the Washington Redskins, who are traveling across the country, dealing with a new offense in terms of Alex Smith getting involved in this. You know, the receivers are kind of transitioning as well. Um, you know, you got Darius Geis who's coming in, but also running a new offense. Whereas the Arizona Cardinals, they got a whole new coaching staff too and a new quarterback and all that. I get that. But I think they're going to simplify it and just pound David Johnson, utilize him in the passing game, and the defense for the Cardinals a little bit better than the defense for the Redskins. And I like Arizona to win this game as a you know home pick'em situation. Hey, you know, if since we're talking about picks, we don't agree on you did, just did with the Rams and the Raiders. This wasn't one of my picks. This was on the cusp though, because just real quick, I love the Redskins here because I love Alex Smith. You know, I, I picked the Chiefs to win the. Uh, AFC West last year. The thing I love about Alex Smith is that he's like Andy Dalton on steroids. If you saw what Jay <laughs> Gruden did with this is so he's a better version of mm, Andy Dalton. Interesting theory. And, and Jay Gruden got everything possible out of Andy Dalton during his time in Cincinnati. And so what he's going to see is like uh, this Westworld host, indestructible version <laughs> of Andy Dalton, and that is Alex Smith. And, and Jay Gruden's going to be able to do anything, everything he's ever wanted to do with his offense. With Alex Smith. So I think the Redskins are going to put up some big points and, and uh, beat the Cardinals on the road of week one. Sorry I disagree with you, Brinson. Sorry, is that one of your picks or are you just, you're just leaning that way? Well, I'll, I'll keep my next pick short since that one went a little long. But my other one <laughs> is uh, Packers and Bears. All right, here's how I feel about this. And I can keep this one real short because I think you have Aaron Rodgers who was just pissed off about last season and he is just his whole entire goal for every game this year is going to be destroy everyone. And he gets to start with a division rival on in prime time. You have Sunday night football. And oh, I think yeah. he's going to be just look to light up the scoreboard. And I, I think the Packers could win this by 17 or more points. Mm, yeah, I was leading. The Bears were on my list because that spread is high. And, and Dan Katz uh, had been on the show and saying how he liked the Bears and he's a Bears guy. And I tend to agree with him because I think the Bears will be good in 2018. But you're right. Aaron Rodgers, prime time against an adjusting Bears squad, out to prove something against a team he's dominated for years and years and years is, is not the time to take a heavy underdog. All of a sudden, it's like middle of the first quarter and the Bears are down 21 nothing, and you, you can't figure out what the hell happened. I mean, that's that's where you get a little bit uh, nervous. My you last, tear up your Bears ticket in the first quarter. That's, yeah. that's what you do. And you don't have to think about it again. Uh, my last pick, I'm going to go with a team that I usually like to fade, but they're playing a team I really want to fade this year, and I'm surprised this line is so low. The Baltimore Ravens, who I'm usually not a fan of. Um, they're bringing back Joe Flacco, and they're using him as the QB1. I'd rather see Lamar Jackson, but that's fine. I think Flacco will be uh, inspired and so, similar to the way Alex Smith was inspired last year when the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes. They got a good offensive line. Their defense is loaded. And we don't know who the Bills are going to start at quarterback, but it's one of three dudes, and it's either Nathan Peterman, uh, A.J. McCarron, or Josh Allen. And either one of the none – of, none of those guys 
They're all, all bad. Yeah, they're all bad. And when you combine them with Calvin Benjamin, even with the Sean McCoy back there, I don't see how the Bills are going to score. I could easily see this game going under, and I could easily see the Ravens winning like 31-6 to in a game where we go, oh, my God, the Bills are going to be just worse than we thought they were going to be. There's no chance they're going over the six-and-a-half win total, which I don't think they will. And uh, I like the Ravens minus five a lot here. Yeah, that's I love that pick, everything you just said. The Bills quarterback situation, and when I said they're all bad, Josh Allen might end up being good, but rookie quarterback starting week one on the road is trouble if he's even the starter. And if he's not the starter, that means he got beat out by Nathan Peterman or A.J. McCarron. I've seen A.J. McCarron to play enough to know that if you get beat out by him, your team's in trouble. Uh, and we all saw Nathan Peterman play last year in one game, and I would not trust him in any situation ever. So that's just an ugly uh, quarterback room right now. Maybe Josh Allen will end up being good. Uh, my last pick is, you know, watching all this Tom Brady, Gronk drama, uh, Belichick won't talk about it. I just think this is a team that puts everything behind them. They're going to come out on fire, especially after losing in the opener last year. And they are going to absolutely obliterate the Houston Texans. Uh, Deshaun Watson's his first game back. He'll have been off for almost 11 months at that point. He got hurt in October. So I, I don't feel comfortable with Watson making the first start in a while on the road against New England. Uh, so I, I really like the Patriots. In that game, no team, when they have a lot of drama, that just makes me want to pick them more. If there was no Patriots drama this offseason, <laughs> I'll pick the Texans to win straight up. But no, there's been so much drama, the Patriots are going to win this by double digits. That might be a good call. Angry, angry Tom Brady, angry Bill Belichick is not something you want to mess with. And the Patriots are most certainly going to be angry. All right. We, uh, we filled up an entire podcast talking about week one picks in this middle of June. I feel very confident in these. Um, I would look if you're out in Vegas. I'm saying lay some cash down on that week one pick. You can mail in your ticket these days, and they'll send you a check, and you can then turn around and write John and I a check for the winnings that you get as part of our commission. And if you cannot afford to go to Vegas, you could go to New Jersey or Delaware. There's a couple more states that are already legal as of today. I might make a road trip to Delaware this weekend, just that's thinking about let's, all let's, the money I can win. Let's drive, and we'll meet in like Baltimore, and we'll head straight up to Delaware, John. Always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. We will talk to you soon, pal. Oh, yeah, follow John on Twitter, at John Breach. What am I doing? What are you doing? Please follow me. <laughs> <laughs>